0: Will you please welcome Naomi Harris. Now, what surprised me about this, and I got completely wrong, as a critic who sits through films all the time, I thought, God, you must have done that performance over months. It's in three huge chunks. You know, you go from being a kind of a nurse or hospital worker to this etiolated skin and bones, and then the aftermath, and it's over 16 years. I thought, it must have taken months. You lost all this weight. Tell us the truth. I shot it over three days
1: is the truth, (laughs) yes. I had visa issues, so it was never meant to be shot over three days. It was supposed to be, I think, spread over, you know, several days over three weeks. But then... um, the American Embassy or what have you just wouldn't allow me to film for some reason. Really? And uh, yeah, I kept holding up my visa, holding up my visa until it ended up, and it seemed like I actually, it was touch and go whether I did the film at all. And I'm so glad that they finally gave me the visa and I was able to do it. But yeah, it ended up only being three days.
0: That's amazing.
1: So we shot out of sequence as well. So I was going from younger Paula to older to middle Paula back to younger. So it was a very crazy experience.
0: And quite a weight upon you because Barry Jenkins' own mother was a crack addict, wasn't she? So yeah. you you arrived, you had three days, you had to play his mother mm-hmm. and he's directing you. And and But did he give you very much guidance? or?
1: Um, no, the wonderful thing about Barry was we spoke... Um, once on Skype, and he said to me, you know, do you have any experience of addiction, you know, um, and I said, I have no experience of addiction, and he said, but you've been drunk, right, and I was like, well, actually, I, I don't touch alcohol, so I've, I've never been drunk, <laughs> and so he, I mean, I, I just all kind of told him all the things that would put him off um, casting me, and yet he's still casting me anyway, and then he, um, he just kind of left me to my own devices, so he never once checked up on me, And even though he knew ultimately that we were only going to have these three days, he just allowed me to do everything myself to prep the accent, um, to find this woman, and then just to turn up and deliver, which I just found really such a beautiful thing, because most directors wouldn't trust an actor in that way. They'd interfere with the process. And so I asked him about it afterwards, and I said, you know, why did you kind of allow me to do that? And he said, well, because you have as much to lose as I do, Naomi, so I trust you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And how did you form a relationship in five seconds with, say, Mm. Alex Hibbert, who plays the the little version of the boy? I mean, how did you manage to do that? You just...
1: Um, I think that's more testament to Alex, to be honest, than the fact that... You know, Alex Hibbert, who plays my youngest son, um, he's never acted before, and they found him in a local school And he is the consummate professional. He's incredible. And he also has this amazing ability to be really light and playful in between um, filming because he he's like a triple threat because he can dance and he can sing as well as act. <laughs> so he does this amazing Michael Jackson impression and he sings Ben in a way that breaks your heart. And he would do like all this dancing and singing in between takes and then uh, Barry would say action and he'd be really serious You see that face that he does. But,
0: yes, because yeah. he's an incredibly kind of closed down little yeah, boy, isn't he? but not in real life. In life. He's <laughs> the complete opposite, in no, fact. That, that's, yeah. that's wonderful. Um, what did you think about, I mean, why did you agree to put such trust in Barry Jenkins? Had you seen his, his previous film? What, what, what formed your relationship? Um, so the reason why I decided to,
1: to be part of it was because the script was so incredible, first and foremost. And also then because I watched Medicine for Melancholy, which was is Barry's first film. And he made that for $13,000, so on a shoestring. <coughs> Almost no money, basically. That's sort of most people's sort of lunch budget um, for a movie. And uh, it's one of the most beautiful films that I've ever seen. It really is so special, and I urge you to watch it. You can find, I found it on YouTube, it's in fact.
0: 2008, isn't yeah. it? Yeah,
1: and, um, and that was the only thing, that he's. That was the, his first film, and he hadn't made anything since, so it's been nine years since he made a film. But I just thought, you know, if he can make something that exquisite on that tiny budget, then what's he going to do with a proper budget? It's going to mm. be something
0: extraordinary. And one of the things which I've read about you, and obviously I never trust the press, being a member of the press, but um, <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things I've read about you is that you, in the past, you said I only want to play these positive black female roles. Mm-hmm. I'm sick of you know these sort of roles that are handed out to to, to women of colour and mm-hmm. all this sort of thing. Um, but you have made the decision to go and play you know a crack mama. Yeah. and You've done it. And, yeah. and why did it? Why was why did you decide to do that?
1: Well, it wasn't an easy decision, and I did um, really struggle with myself, and I really sort of, you know, struggled with my agents for a while, because they were like, this is an amazing script. And I was like, I know, but this is what I've always said. I'll draw the line at playing a crack addict, and, you know, I'll be going against everything I believe in and I've said. And really what persuaded me um, was a conversation, having a conversation with Barry, where he told me that, basically he laid it on the line to me, and he said, look, I don't want to ask you to not to play a negative portrayal of women in general or of black women in particular. I don't want you to kind of go against your morals, but I want to tell my story. And my story does involve the fact that my mother was a crack addict. So what do I do? And what I'm asking you to do is to play it in a sensitive, um, multi-layered and as humane kind of way as you possibly can. And I think you're capable of giving her the dimensions that she needs. And I just thought, well, I've never had anyone ask me to play their mum before. And I thought here's a challenge to play, you know, a crack addict in a completely different way. Because and also I think also I think the reality was that I also had to confront the fact that I had real prejudices about crack addiction. Because I was just seeing Paula as the crack addict. And in fact, the when I started to explore her, I realised she's so much more than that. And actually All her addiction about is is about her incredible search to escape her pain. Mm. And ultimately, she chooses a way that's very self-destructive. But given the same circumstances, I'm not sure, hand on heart, that I wouldn't make the same choice as her. Um, And so I just learned to have so much more compassion for this woman. And my my aim in uh, creating this character is to help the audience as well have understanding and compassion for Mm. her and for people like her.
0: Oh, I think we do. I think it really works. I think it's it's a it's a, it's a really interesting character in mm. the way it's it's it, it's developed, and like all the characters in that film, they're just turned on their head. They yeah. they, they do the opposite of what you expect them to yeah. do, and that's well, what they, makes I think it. Because, so...
1: Yeah, because they're real people, and that's you know that's what's. Fascinating about you know film. Normally they they play uh, they want to play on these kind of stereotypes of like a drug dealer has to be the person who's the bad guy you know, but actually a drug dealer can be someone who has a heart of gold, who has a special touch for you know has a special affinity with one particular child and nurtures is capable of incredible love and nurturing for that mm-hmm. human being and and I and I love that you know Barry is willing to explore all of that and. And turn our stereotypes on their heads.
0: Yeah. It was interesting because he was here, Barry Jenkins was here talking at the BFI Black Star mm-hmm. um, s- Symposium. <laughs> and one of the things he actually said was at that point if Trump wins, I'm coming to Britain, I'm going to make you <laughs> 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 I do hope that's true. Um, but um, I was going to ask you because also at that, the, the Black Star Symposium, David he made this fantastic speech. Mm. And, and he said, I mean, it was Shakespearean almost about what, mm. what his life as an actor was, was here. But but also that he was moving to America because that's where all the best roles he can get are. Now you live here. I live in London. Yeah. Yes, I know you thinking of defecting. <gasps> no, <laughs> I'm 40 now. It's a bit late. Um, uh, no, I, you know, I,
1: I don't think I would have had the kind of career that I've had and that I wanted to have by staying solely in England. Mm. Um, I had to go across to the states. Um, but I think I I love the fact that I'm, I'm ultimately I'm, I'm very English and um, I love the fact that I get to represent my country and be part of British films. And I mm. love the fact that I also have the opportunity to be part of the whole Hollywood system and create films like that as well. Mm. And then real, you know. Um, gems like like Moonlight mm. that the Hollywood system would never really yeah. <laughs> you
0: know make. What's the difference between you filming Miss Money Penny? You know how many days does that take for sort of five minutes compared to what you just did for Moonlight? I mean, what's the, the difference between the what? What are the madnesses of the blockbuster Skyfall <laughs> Spectre world? I mean, I don't know the budget kind of mad- <laughs> madnesses, but I just know that, you know this was
1: made uh, on a tiny budget, and you know what is so beautiful about it is that here you have a group of people, nobody was getting involved because of the paycheck, you know, because there really wasn't one. You know, everybody was involved because they were passionate about telling the story, you know, and that makes for an incredibly special environment on set. And I think it's that kind of environment that engenders a film like this because Mm. there's real heart and soul in that, you know, in that creation process. And I think the audience feels
0: that when they watch it. Mm. Um, Now, I think we should open to your questions. Hi, thank you very much for an amazing film and a great performance. I think thank the performance you. probably is what made all of this story come together.
1: Um, my question's quite simple. I'm quite curious to see what happens to the character. Is Do you know? Do you, Does anyone know, really? Or is it just open-ended? Um, well, it's not really open-ended in the sense that, so this character is basically an amalgamation of Barry's mother, and also Terrell McCraney, um, who is the original writer of the, of the play that this film is based on. And um, what happened to Barry's mother is that she um, is living with HIV still, um, still hasn't seen the movie, because um, she's still working up the courage to see it. Um, and uh, Terrell's mother, um, as a result of their crack addiction, this is why um, they have HIV. And uh, Terrell's mother died of AIDS um, as a result of her addiction and um, from you know sharing needles, I guess, and so on. Um, um, so that that's their story. And I think for me, what happens with Paula, I think her story is one where she. She stays in the centre and she dedicates her life to helping other people which I think is a really happy and beautiful ending for her. Thank you.
2: Uh, just, I'm curious, you've got three powerhouse performances that you act against with the three different mm-hmm. uh, interpretations of Chiron. Yeah. I'm just wondering if you had a, a favourite actor <laughs> uh, to, work at, to, to act against out of the three.
1: I mean, I would never say, no. <laughs> um, they're all so different, you know. Um, Alex, as I said, was this wonderful character who's so playful and that was a joy to work with. Um, Ashton was very different because uh, it was very, um, so it, Ashton uh, has very personal experiences of crack addiction, um, not himself, but in, in members, close members of his family. So it brought up a lot of stuff for him. So that middle section was actually very difficult. It was the hardest section for me, and it was also very hard for Barry because it it brought back a lot of trauma from his own own childhood. And then I was also acting with an actor who was being traumatised as well, and having to traumatise him because I had to go there and I had to be incredibly brutal to him. And that on so many levels was very hard, I have to say. So I can't say that that was my most enjoyable section of the movie to to play, but it was certainly wonderful uh, acting opposite Ashton, but I really did have to work very hard to make sure that he felt nurtured and that he really was able to make the distinction between Paula, who is brutalizing him, and Naomi, who is there to be a supportive co-worker with him. And then with um, Trevonte, it was a very unusual acting experience because, you know, um, because of the way we shot and because of the limited time I had, I only met him 10 minutes before we actually shot that final scene. (laughs) So we had no time to build up any kind of rapport whatsoever because I had to... You know, get into the the aged makeup. So it was literally like, "Hello, okay, let's do this amazing scene where we both, you know, just pour our guts out." And what I think is amazing about um, Trevante is he just threw himself into it, and just you know, he just he was everything that you want from a fellow actor who just like is so vulnerable and so willing to just go with you. And, um, and it was an, that was a beautiful experience working with him.
0: Were you a bundle of pure fear when you were doing this? I mean, did, were you absolutely. I would have been so terrified. Your sort of adrenaline must have been like. I think I didn't have any time to think
1: about it because it was, like, you know what I mean? It was just kind of like, just get on with it. It's
0: yeah.
1: Hello. Um, that was amazing. Um, this is the second time I've seen this oh. film and it's absolutely amazing. Um, three days to prep it. How did you get into the character? Like, did you watch any documentaries? Did you. Just stick to the script. What did you do? Um, so I, you know, I shot it in three days, but I had a lot longer to prep it. So I had a month beforehand to prep it, and. Um, how I found the character was really watching YouTube. YouTube, I think, is an incredible mine of information because you have people with camera phones who go into crack dens and interview crack addicts, you know, places that you wouldn't go. And, and if you did go, you'd have to go with security or what have you, and by virtue of that, you change their reaction and the way that they respond and so on. But you get these people who get these incredibly intimate moments <coughs> And they're all up on YouTube, and there are amazing documentaries as well about crack addiction, Miami in the 1980s. And so that was just this mine of information that I just watched tons and tons of. And, uh, and that's what I used to kind of piece together the history of this character, uh, her mannerisms, to find just to basically find her. YouTube is to thank. <laughs>
2: um, with Trump about to enter the White House, is it going to be easier or more difficult for Barry Jenkins to get films made and for you to get another visa? (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: I uh, hope that, um, I think what's so special about this movie is that in a time when we are being reminded of what makes us different, Um, from each other. Here's a film that uh, really reminds us that actually we're more similar than we are dissimilar. And it's uh, a movie that really speaks to the heart of what it means to be human. And I think that's a really healing antidote for the messages that we're receiving at the moment. And uh, I think this film is incredibly timely in terms of it coming out now. And I think we're going to need more films like that. So I think it will be, I hope at least, that it will be easier for Barry to get his films made. I don't know about my visa situation, that's a whole different thing.
2: How long after those three days did you actually see the whole film? And what was your reaction?
1: Oh, it was a long time afterwards. Um, So I watched it, oh gosh, I think it was about three months ago, I want to say and um, I watched it with my family. And um, it's really difficult when you're in something to actually see yourself, you know, or to see the film because you know so much about it and because you spend most of the time thinking, oh gosh, I hope I made the right decision there. Oh my gosh, how does it look, you know? Um, And so it was wonderful to watch it with my family because at the end of the movie, I thought, okay, what do they think? Because my family are my harshest critics. That's why I always bring them to everything (laughs) that I do. And I looked across, and my mum was crying. And my entire family had nothing but positive things to say about this movie. And I thought, wow, it must be really special, because that has never happened before in (laughs) anything I've ever done.
2: (laughs) I just want to ask about the relationship. There seemed to be a um, juxtaposition between you and Teresa. Mm -hmm. And in the middle bit, you were very resentful but I almost felt you had come to terms that she acted as a surrogate mother mm-hmm. for your child. Can you just explore or uh, expand on that?
1: Yeah, I think you know. I think Paula is incredibly jealous. Uh, I think in her addiction, you know, I find addiction to be like uh, a demon. It's almost like it takes over a person. But there's always that part of you know, the heart and the sensitivity that remains you know while you're still in the throes of the addiction. And I think through all of that, she realizes that Teresa is giving her son all the things that she should be giving her son and that she actually, on some level, wants to be giving him, but she can't. And so I think she's immensely jealous of that relationship and really wants to destroy it, actually. Um, but at the end, ultimately, she realizes that she's really you know, thankful to Teresa. And I think it's, it's wonderful to have these two characters um, in the movie, actually, as well, that you see um, how you know, destructive a force Paula is in her son's life, and how healing Teresa is, even though there's no blood relationship between her and Chiron, but how much nurturing and sensitivity and, and space that she gives him that he desperately needs.
0: Um, one of the things you're doing just now is you're doing a big promotional tour for mm-hmm. Moonlight and, and kind of giving it your all because mm-hmm. there isn't some huge Oscar budget and mm-hmm. there aren't you know people throwing dinners for Moonlight here yeah. there and everywhere. There's
1: no P budget whatsoever. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, no. And I always think it's so important to you know talk about a movie like that yeah. and, and and be out there because the machine does its thing, you know, in mm-hmm. Hollywood. And, and are you going to go to LA and do a kind of? Hi, I'm here. Oh, we've done all of that. we have done that? We've,
1: done, we've been, yeah, we've been two months on the road and travelling right. to a new city every three, four days. And, yeah, so we've been really working hard to get this movie out there. But what's so wonderful is that, you know, in the States, at least, the movie's out. It opened on four screens. It had the highest opening gross of any movie in 2016, um, the, as in the per-screen average, because the per-screen it on four screens, it grossed over $400,000, which is is really mm. good and so it's um then rolled out to 32 cinemas and then um now I think it's like this weekend I think it's like um 700 cinemas so what's it's fantastic that despite not having the budget to yeah. promote it word of mouth has been extraordinarily strong and um and people are really turning out to see mm. this movie and not just once like um the person not there you know yeah. they come out to see it twice or thrice.
0: I think there's layers because there's a whole lot going on and I've I've only seen it once but I want to see it a second time with the sound Mm -hmm. and the vision and the cutaway and when you're hearing his voice but you're looking at his face doing something else Mm -hmm. and I mean there's a whole lot of things that be delight. I, I particularly, I think the music, the crossover from classical to rap to everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it bears a whole second hit. Yeah, it definitely you know, does. I, I, I
1: it's think- so rich, you know. Yeah. it's so dense, and I, and I think um, there are so many subtleties as well that you miss. Like, lots mm. of people miss the fact that um, Mahershala's character one uh, dies uh, in the in the movie. And uh, most people go, well, where did he go? You know, what happened? You never heard about him. And most people miss the line about his funeral. There are two lines about his funeral. And there are all these special moments Mm. like that that I think you have to watch it again to really get. Mm. I I took away a very positive feeling at the end. Did you know there was going to be, or or am am I just imagining it, but did you sort of sense this positive feeling at the end, and did that make it any
0: easier? Because I cannot begin to think about how harrowing that role must have been.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what I, I loved about the movie as well, is that, you know, here you're dealing with subjects which could be, you know, people could sort of beat you over the head with a sledgehammer and make you think about how dark and how sad and how depressing, but there's also so much beauty in this movie as well, and there's an incredible amount of light and hope, and um, and I think that final scene uh, between Black and um, which I'm I'm forgetting his Kevin. Kevin, yeah, is um is so is so beautiful because it's about you know our universal search for love for connection and how heartbreaking it is and heartbreakingly beautiful when you actually finally find somebody who says I accept you and I love you and I am here for you because that's what we all want to hear and it's irrespective of whether you're straight or gay you know that's just I think what we're all searching for is that kind of connection so yeah and that's and that's definitely part of the reason why I wanted to be I, wanted to be part, I always want to be part of stories that have a positive message and that leave people feeling enriched and hopeful. That's ultimately, I think, what art should be about, no?
0: Thank you. I, mine's a very sort of basic question. Just wondering, were you um, informed of, uh, with each scene, so to speak, how old you and the characters were meant to be? So, uh, no. Because obviously it doesn't say aged 10, yeah. 11, whatever. It doesn't yeah. say aged 16, 17. If, if it was just sort of, OK, you're just... He's a boy, no, he's a teenager, is, or whatever. Uh, no,
1: that's what I was talking about before, about Barry just allowing us to just kind of do our thing. <laughs> so he never really was dictatorial in anything. He was, he was never like, and this is what's happening now, and this is how you feel now, and this is... You know, he just allowed us to find it ourselves... And I think you know you see that in the film, like how much space and time you get that he gives to the performance, to just to, to the performers to just find their feet and find the truth, you know. And I think that's one of the things that makes it work as well.
0: Yeah. Hi, I was just wondering if there was anything you shot which got cut out. No.
1: <laughs> but there, there's a lot of other things that, um, yeah, got cut out, but, I mean, I was only there for three days. Like, there wasn't room, Like,
0: anything to be cut out. <laughs> um, now, just before you go, there's one more question, quick. It'll fit you in. Yes.
2: So, um, it was my second time seeing the movie. Um, the first time it was really, really difficult. Uh, not because I have addiction um, in my past or in my family or anything like that, but um, I am a single mom, and you know, single black mom in America comes with all sorts of stigma. Mm-hmm. Even though, um, you know, I, I'm, I was an executive at Hollywood or whatever, mm-hmm. but you know, all of a sudden, it's like you, you're a single mom, and people have certain thoughts about it. So I had such a visceral reaction to your character mm-hmm. that I'm so glad I saw it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but my question is, um, because I was a Hollywood executive, and I worked on international marketing of Hollywood movies, and I would sit in rooms all the time where people would say, "International audiences are not going to go see this movie because it's a, 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 a African American experience." Yeah. And so I'm just curious because this movie, I mean, is so powerful. I think I'm a, kind of like crying again. Mm-hmm. Um, And I feel like people need to see this movie. Like, what do you do when you're sitting in a room to say it transcends? It's actually not an African-American
0: movie.
1: Um, First of all, my mom was a single mom as well. She had me when she was 18. And it was just me and my mom growing up. So I know what that's like, um, and that's also another reason why I was drawn to this role, um, because I think, you know, single mums do an incredible job, and it's incredibly tough, especially when you're young, and like my mum, my mum was, you know, my mum wasn't working um, so at that age, and, you know, so we, I was raised on welfare, so it was, you know, tough, with different circumstances, yours of know, being executive and what have you, um, so I really relate to that. Um, but in terms of, you know, what you say to Hollywood uh, about getting films like this made, I think you know, that is what's so incredible about Plan B and A24, who are about mm-hmm. the producers of this movie, because they're... Um, their focus, their sole focus, is to create movies like this, to shed light on stories that wouldn't normally, and communities that wouldn't normally get any light shed on them and that would never really see the light of day. That's what they're trying to find. They're trying to give these communities voices. Um, And they are also doing it in a way that shows that it is profitable and that, you know, this movie is already back its, you know, <laughs> its budget um, which is fantastic because that's a, a wonderful sign to Hollywood, you know it, it takes these outliers, these um, these companies that work with outside of the system and operate in a completely different way to show the system that it works and it's possible and the better that these films do the more that Hollywood will change mm. because they'll take note mm. yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very so much